Hello, this is Brad Whitford of Aerosmith and the Whitford St. Holmes Band, and this is Iron City Rock. Hello, you crazy metalheads. This is King Diamond, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks with John. This is John Wetton from Asia. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 453 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Back for a 12th year. It's the first episode of 2021. Here's hoping it is a heck of a lot better than 2020. And if our first episode is any indication, I think we're getting off to a great start here. We have joining us um, Bill Champlin, who uh, spent many, many years with the band Chicago. Uh, play keyboard, sang some of their biggest hits in the 80s. Um, we'll go into a little more detail on that, but Bill, um, resume is just amazing. His work with Delton John, David Foster, um, obviously Chicago. I mean, just that respect is enough. Um, has got some, you know, pretty big hits. Uh, some of the best songs, uh, really, of the 80s era of Chicago, Look Away, I Don't Want to Live Without You, you're not alone. All big uh, hits. Hard habit to break. Um, he was in the group for that. So, a lot of that um, stuff that uh, you kind of remember being all over the radio in the '80s uh, from Chicago. Um, also, we are joined on this episode by Andy Watts, an amazing guitarist. Uh, we're going to talk to him in just a little while. So I'll save the introduction for that until uh, we get on the other side of this interview. So we're going to play a little bit of new music from Bill Champlin. Bill's got a new album coming out in February. The album is called Living for Love. We're going to play you a little bit of the lead-off single, Reason to Believe. I uh, hope you enjoy it, and we'll talk to Bill Champlin in just a moment.
Champlin on the line. How you doing, Bill? Hey, how you I doing? I am doing fantastic. Uh, it's great to have a chance to talk to you. You've got an amazing legacy of, of songwriting, Grammy Awards, number one hits, um, working with some of the great names in, in music. Um, so it's a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. And you're going to be releasing a new record, which uh, you know caught our attention coming out later this this month, actually on the 22nd. You've got your new album, Living for love um can you talk a little bit it's been about 10 years i believe since your last uh solo venture you know why now what what kind of brought these songs to the forefront you know in this time well probably the easiest answer would be that i had time you know just i think a lot of there's i mean most of the musicians i know are doing records because they got nothing else to do they can't go on the road they can't play clubs. They can't rehearse. Everybody's kind of locked in. So I've got big. I'm going to use it. So I think there's going to be as many records in 2021 as there were babies born nine months after the New York sure. blackout. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the way it is. So, but it's, uh, you know, and that, and I just, my, my kind of viewpoint of the world so it sort of changed as I went through a cancer 
thing a couple of years back and I lost, I lost my older son, right? You know, the week, the, the day after I was diagnosed, I, uh, he passed away from, uh, esophageal cancer. So, I mean, somehow you're, what you care about, uh, that list gets shorter and what you don't care about gets longer when stuff like Absolutely. that starts to happen to you. So I kind of felt, yeah, I kind of felt like, you know, I gotta, I, I gotta say something. If for nothing else than to just to hear it back myself, you know, and then people, other people have heard what I've, what I've done and gone, whoa, this is really good. This should be, this should be heard. So that's why I'm, I'm doing everything I can at this point in the game to draw some level of attention to it. And Imagine Records has been really great in terms of putting Shauna O'Donnell on it. She's a, she's really a great publicist and a real sweetie pie. I love, love yeah, that. Yeah, you can't. Can't understate and, uh, the value of a publicist and, um, when it comes to you know new music. They can, I swear, make or break titles. You know, based upon how much effort you get behind something like this. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's you know in, in some ways it's really cool just to talk to somebody other than just me and Tamara <laughs> and the dogs, and you know and my son Will, who actually he's you know I've got a, a guest house and he's got his Ableton rig on one side of the room and I've got my. Uh, Pro Tools rig on the other, and he was just, you know, tested positive. Uh, although Tamara and I tested negative, you know, pretty much the same day. So, so I mean, even then, you know, even we even have a, a, a quarantine on our property, you know. So it's funny time. It's great talking to you and just talking to different people. It's, it's nothing else, just to see what's going on around the, around the country, see how other yeah, people are dealing it, with it. it. it, it. California just shut everything down. Yeah, I don't out. think here in Pennsylvania we're much behind you when it when it comes to that. They're kind of slowly reopening parts of things with you know certain percentages are allowed in. Um, but with um, yeah, did you find when you were putting these songs together were most of the to the songs kind of written in this COVID era or were these some songs you had you know accumulated over the years? I guess it's been a while since your last album. Well, I think two or three of them were, were, were songs that I already had going. Uh, you know, they were just sort of in demo form. So I really went in and cleaned them up, got them, you know, got them, uh, dressed them up, got them ready to take out, you know, and, uh, but I'd say for the most part, a lot of it was written right during this period of time. And, uh, and I've been holding back, uh, writing really stuff for myself for a good little while. I was working on other projects and I'm always working on other projects. It's just, you know, stuff that just sort of keeps me going. But this one, I really, and I kind of put my heart and soul and balls into this one. You know, I really, really tried to say what I what I felt, and I and I kind of did the thing. And I'm a bit of a craftsman when it comes to doing background vocals, and I just made sure I sang my lead vocals on a different day than I sang backgrounds, so I didn't just add a second, you know, a seventh background part. You know, I really wanted to try to get try to touch, just try to touch people. I mean, we got a six foot distance. Only thing that's going to cross that six feet is music. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how music always is the one thing. You know, when we, you know, you and I were talking off, you know, prior to the to the interview about nine eleven, um, how sometimes you know it is the one glue that that can heal, it can bring people together, um, and that's one of the things I love. You know, going through your your album, you know, there's a pretty positive vibe in there. You know, it, it, the production is fantastic, um, songwriting. We don't even have to consider that when it's coming from you. We know it's going to be first rate. Um, so, you know, a great listen and I think great music for this time. 
Um, one song in particular I, I have to ask, a Stevie song. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know, what that's about and, and, and who is that on the saxophone that we're hearing? Yeah. Well, the sax player is Mark Russo. Uh, and I just said, you know, I had him do two other tunes. And I said, well, while you're at it, can you knock something off for this? And he said, yeah. And I had a, had a melody kind mm-hmm. of already written. Uh, uh, on a little road, doubled it, came up with some other stuff. He's just one of the best musicians on the earth. The song itself, I was, I, I knew I needed something that was the, uh, just a bit jazzy and a little bit, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, just you know, less drums, less big, less bombastic than a lot of the a lot of the music mm-hmm. that I do, and uh, and I just kind of came up with these changes, and 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 I was kind of I was I had been watching TV during the period of time where there were riots everywhere, it was all just going crazy, and I just saw people on the street just yelling at the top of their lungs, and I just realized the people that are yelling at the top of their lungs, what kind of music are they listening to? They're listening to people yelling at the top of their lungs. So I kind of, I kind of said, what happened to this kind of uplifting uh, music that, like, say, for instance, Stevie Wonder, you know, put out, and it, the song just kind of came out of that, uh, out of that little bit. And uh, you know, hey, anybody's ever listened to a Stevie Wonder song, you, it, you know, it's uplifting, and it's not just people yelling at, you know, it's not somebody just yelling at the top of their lungs. So. I said, you know, maybe it's your music. <laughs> it, it certainly certainly makes sense. Anyway. Do you do a lot of the, like, um, what you mentioned, you know, kind of having the melody for, for the saxophone there. Do you do a lot of the kind of charting and things like that for the horns and, and like that on the album? Or how do you go approach well, that? Well, there's, there's one other. Yeah, there's one other. The second, actually me. Uh, it's a Greg Matheson tune. Greg is a, just a great, he played keyboards with Larry Carlton for years. He's really, really a great musician, unbelievable arranger and programmer. And, uh, and he's, uh, we were saying, well, man, this thing really calls for horns. And I kind of went, well, why don't we just do Mark Russo and just have Mark put on baritone, a uh, baritone sax, two tenors and two altos. And Mark went ahead and did it for us. And it was just, it was slamming like a dog. I mean, I've, I've always been involved with horns. I don't really, hear horns right off the bat so i mean that was greg who charted that that chart you know and uh and i don't i'm not a real great reader or or writer on that level but if if i if i come up with a lot of stuff i just don't particularly write it down very yeah i'm always kind of fascinated by how horns get into songs that you know with blues musicians that's one of the questions i love you know to get different feedback you know, do you, do you just let the horn players kind of do the thing, or do you have something in mind? And it's always different how people kind of approach that. Um, you know, and you've got, yeah. you know, kind of obviously a history of, you know, music involving horns with Chicago and, and you know, your time with them. And, oh, yeah. um, so when you, when you put out on like this, obviously playing live is not in the cards for who knows how long it's it's kind of a, a mystery at this point but um yeah you know imagining yeah. a world with no covid uh, i mean is sure. the intent to get out and kind of do these or, or um you know what where do you go next oh, with, yeah. with the music or or do you still work with the sons of champlin well oh yeah i do uh, matter of fact we still we we had to pass on like four or five gigs when this all came down and we're gonna you know once it once it all opens back up again if it ever does 
it's starting to feel like it's it's just this is our new normal and and i'm i'm just but uh uh yeah i want to play live and i'm good at playing live i've always been a live player one of the reasons why i did the album is i I couldn't go play live so i you know i gotta do this you know kind of got in the i gotta do this you know so uh uh, oh yeah, I, I plan on putting together a, a band at some level and going out with this, uh, going out with this. You know, I'm, I, I kind of see this this album maybe being really kind of well accepted in the UK. And I've always, I've never played in the UK a lot, but there's they're really kind of an R and B kind of an R and B country. They really like they like it to smoke, and you know, especially with the three tracks I got from Greg Matheson. I mean, the pocket is so deep; it's, it's it's funky. I mean, as somebody said, it's funkier than a three-day-old band-aid. You know, the, uh, that's, that's a good line. You know, either that or it's so it's so funky it moves in next door and your lawn dies. <laughs> I like that one. But uh, uh, Greg's tracks are always really deep. They always have a great feel to them. As does Bruce Geich. I mean, when Bruce puts a track together, he sent me a an mp3 of just a track with no no singing no lyrics no melodies on it but the track was so you know exciting that Tamara and i listened to it when, when it came in the mail and we had up that i do this and it turned out to be the first single uh reason to believe one of the things i liked about it is it had george hawkins on it and george it was an older track that bruce found in his found in his one of the folders that he had in his Pro Tools stash. He just sent it to me on a whim. Hey, here he calls them kernels, you know, when they're kind of undone. And uh and Bruce is you know, Bruce has been on I mean he's been on a lot of Chicago records. He's been a lot he's a great guitar player and uh and keyboard player and, and songwriter. And so when we got that I was going, Great, I got a Bruce track and oh my God, George Hawkins is playing bass on it. Vinny Caliuda is playing drums on it. And all this was just handed to me and said, God, that, that's something I don't have to work on doing. Uh, I put a little B3 on it and vocals and that was, that thing was done. And, uh, so between Greg and Bruce and then the rest of the stuff I pretty much did and programmed myself here at the house. And, uh, and then, and then replay, of course I did electric drums and of course I replaced him with real drummers. So that, that made it. Gordon Campbell was one of the drummers and, and Alan Hertz. Was uh, played on at least half of the stuff, and Alan mixed the record. He's a great Pro Tools engineer. He played with Scott Henderson mm-hmm. for a long time, and uh, Mike Landau, and he's he's just a an amazingly great drummer and a bitchin' engineer, you know. So it was it was kind of really cool, and and really one of my closest friends. So I kind of found myself going to people that I knew that could you know for what I needed. Lenny Castro is a percussionist, and he was on the, almost the whole record. I think all but one song. Or all but yeah, all but one song. I think he's on all of it. Uh, and you know, you can't ask for anybody who grooves harder than him. You know, him and uh, Luis Conte are the two guys. In, and uh, I'd known Lenny for a long time, but and when I called him and asked him, he said, "Great, just bring a drive, and I'll just knock it off at my house." Which he did. I, you know, I, I said, "What am I going to do? Tell you, I, I want you to play bongos <laughs> instead of kungas here." Just no, stay out of his way. <laughs> that, that's that's more his call than mine. Yeah, I mean the best thing, best way to produce Lenny Castro is you're right, stay out of his way, let him do his yeah. thing. And uh, it's what a sweetie pie, what a wonderful guy. Just uh, and everybody that I asked to, to 
to be involved in it just jumped up and went, yes, I'm there. I'm yeah. doing it. So I got really lucky on that level. I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to wait for a lot of people. I was going to get Steve Ferroni on it, but Steve had just had uh, a knee operation and was having trouble, you know, I mean, it, he needed more time to heal. So I kind of had to, I kind of had to go another way for a little while because it was just, he was, you know, he says, hey man, I'll be able to do it next week. And then he sent me a picture of his knee, which had swollen up pretty badly. I went, I don't sit think this, this one is going to happen because I needed to get this stuff done. Yeah, you got to sit it's, this one out. And he's a he's an unbelievably great drummer. He was a guy that played with uh, AWB after Robbie passed away, and then he played with uh, Tom Petty for I don't know twenty years. Or so. Yeah, but I I really can't imagine just and a sweetie this, is, pie, this, yeah. this remarkable show. My age has been probably the age of our listeners, but I can't imagine what your Rolodex looks like. You know, with the names you kind of float out there, and you look at the you know the people you've worked with over your career is just mind-boggling do you ever i mean you're still obviously a very you you sound very young at heart and you're very creative still um but do you ever kind of look at your own legacy i mean you had some monster hits with chicago some you know amazing credits work with elton john and diane warren and and david foster i mean do you ever kind of take stock of you know the holy crap look what i've done kind of aspect of this I mean, there was a there was a thing at one point. I said, "Well, man, I got a really pretty good track record." And then I realized, in, in the in the music business, which is kind of what's going on, it's the bigger the track record, the more proof that you're not yeah. young. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. <laughs> so, all right, man, this guy's done a million things. Well, we don't want him. We need to get a we need uh, an embryo in here uh, on the microphone. Thank you very much. And if and if that you know if we need it, I don't know. Just went, and I think a lot of it had to do with videos. The minute there were video stars, then all of a sudden it just became a visual thing rather than rather than an audio thing. So it's really changed a lot from from where I started to where it is now. Yeah, I mean, I look back at you know, like and, uh, look and away, I, for example. I think about that song, you know, obviously a platinum album. Uh, you know, that's almost unheard of in these days. You would have to be a, a Taylor Swift to have a platinum album, you know, or, or be in a totally different genre of music. But I mean, that's all you know. That album, or or have your dad have your dad own the record? Have your dad own True. the record company? Yeah, that's what's, a little helpful. Yeah, exactly. You know? No, I agree. It's it's uh, you know somebody said, hey man, the music business is really messy right now. I said, man, there's still a top yeah. ten. You know, it you might not like a lot of the music in it, but there's still a top ten. And you know, I think I think you know, like you, like you were saying before, it's really hard to get anything without a certain level of publicity. Yeah. And a lot of these younger artists get a lot of publicity. And there's some young bands that are kicking, kicking butt. I mean, I'm a real Fallout Boy fan and Foo Fighters. I, I love. Yeah. Them. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a rock fan. I really like rock and I and I like blues. There's there's great blues stuff going on out there. You know, I mean, although we kind of I really miss Stevie Ray. He yeah, was, was, yeah. There was something it, really cool about him. It is it is amazing, but you know, I think one of the things the blues unfortunately needs, you know, outside of maybe Joe Bonamassa, uh, is sort of a poster child, you know. And Stevie Ray was a great ambassador to, to someone like myself at the time, who was a rock fan, who really didn't know the blues, and then you know he came yeah. along, and then wow, Albert King, you know, I, you know, we were able to kind of use him as a, a bridge into the blues. One of my favorite, had the best tone. Of- yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's... Right. Well, and and I think now, at this point in the game, even even though Joe Bonamassa, he gets a lot of press mm-hmm. and he's kind of really 
one of the guys, he really writes yeah. rock songs, and he, he plays them very bluesily, yeah. you know, if there's a word like that. I think I'd be thrown out of a Scrabble game, but bluesily. But I think Eric Gales is kicking butt. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's got a blues feel, but, I mean, he's just, he's amazing. I mean, there's there's cats out there. I mean, I, sometimes you go, oh, man, there's nothing. There's nothing in the music. It's not going on. And then you listen, all of a sudden there's dirty loops. And you go, holy Christ, where did that come from? You know, uh, and, and the guy, you know, it's just a, uh, the guys are really cool and very nice guys and they're just unbelievably talented. So there's, you know, no matter what's going on with the record business, there's cool stuff out there. It's just kind of trying to find it through the din that we all kind of live You're with, exactly you know? right. I think a lot of this is in the, you know, that's where I hope a show like ours helps where, you know, we can shine a light on some things that may go unnoticed um, by certain, you know, genre. You know, people may not think, uh, you know, catch your your name yeah. and think, oh, you know, that was the guy who, you know, had all these hits. Um, and with the blues, you know, there's so many yeah. artists. Oh, I don't want to hear Bill's music because he played with Chicago and I don't like <laughs> Chicago. Well, I'm not with Chicago, and I and I don't. It's right, it's not, not like a Chicago, Chicago record album. on any level. I have one. Yeah, I have one song with with a horn section, and I keep the horns down for the groove. Looking for and what I and, and what I think this album brings you. Even if you're not listening to the to the lyrics and premise, uh, it's there's great grooves. Yeah. Just the whole record just groove, yeah. you know. And the pocket is there, and uh, and that's kind of what I think that's one of the things you know you, that that especially Matheson when I mean when Greg does a track puts it puts a thing together it just grooves like a dog you know and so i mean it always just gets my attention it's like well i gotta write whatever over this i don't even care what it is really and uh and he's just uh you know so i and and i i kind of look at that and i look at him as like my big brother when it comes to uh to you know make sure no matter what happens make sure it's grooving and it's not just like up in front, every everything on the front end of it, you know. I like, hey man, it's back here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we did a, a Chicago album with Jay DeMarcus, and the first thing he said was like, "Remember, it's back here." <laughs> that's how we approach Well, Bill, I want to thank you again so much. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Living for Love will be out January twenty second oh, cool. on Imagine Records. We'll share the link. Uh, the first single, Reason to Believe, is available now. Twenty second. Uh, yeah. A, Fantastic stuff, and oh, and by the way, if if you're if you're one of those people that likes CDs, we're we're doing. I mean, uh, Imagine Records is doing the digital, and we're just doing out of out of our house and our on our website. We're doing uh, CDs, great cover, beautiful cover. You yeah, love yeah. it. Uh, at uh, BillChamplin.com, just uh, it's pretty easy to remember. Yeah, that should you know? be. And uh, it's it, and we just do we just do mail order. I'll probably stuff the stuff the mail you know stuff the mailers myself you know me and Tamara will be working on it we're just actually we're getting the records next awesome. Tuesday records he says you know we, yeah well vinyl you know it's making a comeback to you know and it's funny how you know I imagine a lot of people are finding you know through vinyl you know because you know people are scarfing that up and enjoying that yeah. so uh, this will fit in nicely well you know when we made the record when we made the record, especially when we mixed it, Alan Hertz is the mixer on the record. And Alan just kind of says, you know, I want to make it sound analog as much as I can. So he's got, he really knows how to use the outboard gear to make it sound analog. And then when we mastered it, we took it to Joe Gasworth. 
And Joe's kind of a legendary mastering engineer. And he said, Bill, I love this music. I'm going to fly the whole thing to tape and master it from tape. Nice. And then we'll fly it back to the digital, right? But, and, and it was just, I think that's one of the reasons the album has a, such a warm sound to it. It's like a, it's a pretty big sounding record. For a bunch of kids that were fooling around at home. Yeah, you know for I mean? you know, you, sometimes you can you can <laughs> yeah. almost feel something came from Pro Tools, but it's great to have that that warmth to it. Um, it sounds fantastic. Maybe you know, sale physical sales enough. Maybe you get it pressed to vinyl for you know all of the the geeks out there that want to get it. Oh, we're we're planning on it, but I think right now we're just paying attention to the digital, trying to get the digital going, trying to get people just to realize that hey, there's a record here that maybe we should hear. You know, it's a it's one it's really one worth hearing. Everybody that I that I played it for just goes, holy shit, this is amazing. So I mean, and you know, of course, I've been living with it for a year, so yeah. I, you know, just the nature of it. You know, if, another one real, I do it. Piano, bass, drums, and a, one singer. <laughs> <laughs> guitar, bass, and drums in one singer. Just try to yeah, just do a little simpler record. But this one, this one, for for the stuff that I've been doing and the kind of productions that I've been doing for a while, this one I think is at, at the pretty much the top of the food chain, at least for me. Yeah, and that's a pretty that's a pretty big statement. So, uh, Bill, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you out on the road before too long. And uh, we really, really enjoyed it again. BillChaplin.com. We'll share a link to that. You can see you can get a signed copy of the CD from you and uh, urge everyone to check that out. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, much. we can do that. So, yeah, once again, Bill Champ- Champlin with an, with an M in there. A lot of times I get either, I'm either French or, or Israeli. You know, Chaplin or <laughs> Champlain. It's, it's Champlin. Just phonetic. You know? I said, wow, somebody said, oh, Chaplin, yeah, he's one of us. <laughs> Wait a minute, hold it, not necessarily, it's just a different different spelling, you know. Anyway, uh, thank you so My much pleasure. for having me, I really appreciate the, the My pleasure. Attention. All right, a big thank you to Bill Champlin, again, 28 years with the band Chicago, um, some of the biggest hits of that band's um, era through the 90s, you know, you can kind of look at Chicago's career as a lot of those bands where they had kind of different phases in Bill was a, is an amazing cornerstone during uh, some of the big, you know, kind of FM hits that they had with Peter Cetera. Obviously, he, uh, Bill had sang lead vocals on some of those. Again, the new album will be available in February. The single reason to believe is available now. As we talk about in the interview, if you go to Bill Champlin, that's dot com, you can get the CD signed. He's got signed photos. Um, really a fantastic guy. It was really a pleasure talking to him. We're going to turn our attention to another amazing musician. Uh, was brought to our attention by a friend of ours, Israeli blues rock guitarist Andy Watts. Andy, um, I, I love when when an artist like this comes on our radar because it you know you go back and he's got such a body of work to just immerse yourself in. It's not like you discovered a brand new guitarist who has got you know twelve songs you can pour over. Andy's got a whole career worth of stuff. Um, he's worked with Joe Lewis Walker um, on this album, um, which is available now. It's called Super Groove. Uh, so we're going to play a little bit of Andy Watts. We're going to talk to the man all the way from Israel.
gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks all the way from Israel. Uh, we have Andy Watts on the line. How you doing, Andy? Oh, I'm doing fine, John. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, you have released Super Groove uh, back in September. You know, it just seems like a blink of an eye uh, three months ago now. Um, a great collection of kind of uh, collaborations with with some great blues musicians, some some of classic blues songs, some some newer stuff. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the collection of songs and, and what went into making the album? Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, the album Super Groovy released on the fourth of September. I'm very honored as an Israeli blues guitarist to be. Um, Signed on a major uh, American blues label, West Town, in cooperation with Boga from Ken and Neil, who co-produced the album. Um, the album Supergroove is, you know, when you name an album, you're trying to get a hint of what you can expect. So I thought Supergroove would be a good name to classify the vibe of the album. And the uh, album kicks off with a title track, which is an instrumental. Uh, basically inspired by the uh, 1960-61 bands of Johnny Winter, Freddie King, Albert Collins, great vocalist, but it started out instrumental. Mm-hmm. And um, that sort of is like you would start a live show. I thought the same with the album. That's how I would normally kick off a show uh, with my nine-piece band. And instrumentals, then be kicking off the show with, with the vocalists. Sure. And uh, I did the same uh, with this album. Now the second single, um, "Burning Deep," I believe. Uh, how did you come to work with Joe Lewis Walker? Well, over the years, as a way to expand the concept of blues in Israel, uh, I'm in the Middle East, so I wouldn't say that blues is not mainstream here. Sure. <laughs> but I was trying to expand the audience, and it's been growing. It's been growing uh, for the past ten years. I had uh, the pleasure and honor to bring some of the best blues musicians in America to Israel to perform with my band, to record with me in the studio. And I have brought over years uh, Jolie Walker three times, Rest in Peace, Lucky Peterson twice, Johnny Winter, um, Bernard Allison, Rick Estrin, who also performs on this album under his AKA alias, Coasting Hank. <laughs> he wanted sure. that. And of course, Kenny Neal, among others. So uh, me and uh, Joe, we performed many times together. He also sang a title track of my previous album, Blues on Fire, back in 2018. And I just felt that Burning Deep was just right up uh, Joe Lee Walker's alley. And he did a tremendous uh, vocals on, on that track. Absolutely. Can you talk, um, from a guitar standpoint, um, you've got kind of that classic Fender tube screamer kind of sound uh as far as gear am i far off or are my ears deceiving me or is that your yeah choice? you you're right i uh, i'm blessed with having uh well i always look at it this way i um i i the guitars that i'm keeping are the ones that that sound the best the mm-hmm. one that inspire me to to play and i have to confess I, I play uh, mostly old vintage guitars because they have a story to tell and you never own this guitar, you're simply the caretakers taking care of this for the next generation or will continue 
carrying the flag and the torch for the blues. Mm-hmm. And um, the guitars you're hearing on my album is, is true. It's all Stratocasters with a Fender a twin, old uh, a tweed a twins. Or uh, also, I also play a lot of Les Pauls. Um, one of my major influences and someone I do respect a lot, rest in peace, is Peter Green. Sure. Um, I love his approach to the music by playing less and, and saying more by doing so. Um, but what you hear on the album is mainly Fender Stratocasters, Gibson Les Pauls, some old Marshall Plexus and Fender Tweed Twins. Is that kind of gear, you know, you, you hear a lot about blues musicians in the States kind of going to secondhand stores and, you know, vintage guitar shops. How hard is it to acquire that kind of gear in Israel, or do you have to import it, you know, from your travels? I had blues guitars coming over the years, bringing some gear into the country and, uh, you know, find a way. Somehow, and over the years, a lot of the stuff I acquired about 25, 30 years ago, so I, that, that was still okay at that time and price-wise. Sure. I mean, lately, those kind of guitars have been very expensive, and I, I believe that the guitars, I look at the guitars as an object of art. I don't keep my guitars in, in, in the cases. I like to look at them because they inspire me. They're so beautiful, and the only thing they want is to get played. And that's what I want to do with them. And um, I think that that's the purpose of these instruments, to get played. The more you play them, the better they sound. Uh, of course, with the price development, many of these vintage guitars, they are today spending their time in tempered rooms as yeah. investments. But that's, that's another way to look at it. Andy, um, you mentioned bringing guitarists over to play with you. Um, the blue scene in the United States is not at all what it once was. Sadly, um, you know there are still artists who you know can make a successful career out of playing the blues, but it's not as mainstream. You you don't hear it on the radio. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know does that describe Israel's blues scene, or or are you sort of a unicorn in that arena? You know, do are there other contemporary artists in in the blues there? Definitely. But most, I mean, if I look at other guitars, also was playing a lot. Uh, also, Noah, he moved to America, uh, and then other guitarists also did, uh, because the scene and the opportunities are obviously more in America, even, of course, a far cry from what it was. If I look at the state of mind and the health of the Israeli blues scene, it's good, but I would, I cannot go out and, and tour every day in Israel. First of all, in any direction, you go one hour, you know, in every direction, and that pretty much is the end of the country. Sure. Uh, a lot of my blues artists that are coming here, they're excited when I tell them, listen, you're going to sleep every night in the same hotel. They say, wow, that's yeah. amazing. Use <laughs> <laughs> the old uh, spoken wheel. But, but uh, the, scene, the scene is good. The scene is good. I need bigger venues because I do have a nine-piece band which is a full horn section, trombone, baritone, sax, trumpet, B3, Hammond, rim, drums, bass, two vocalists. It's a big show. Mm-hmm. So I do mainly shows in Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, Haifa, the bigger cities, when I do my uh, big festivals, and when I do my full shows. 
I noticed that you, you rattled off the instruments. I think I noticed some harmonica in there, too. Do you have a dedicated player, or is that something one of your band members play? Well, the, 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 the great harp player that you heard is one of the best in the world, and that's actually Rick Astrid. And okay. you heard it on Living Hand to Mouth, which is, which is uh, his tune. Uh, he was over in Israel in 2018. And we had such a good time, and this we did this tune live. So I asked Rick, listen, let's record it. I want it on my next album. He said, sure, on one condition. I said, shoot. Well, I want, because I don't want anything with my labels, you know, between us and the news community. We play in our friends' albums. We don't write Rick Estrin, we write Coasting Hank. Because when I started out in, in the 50s in California, I was performing on the Coasting Hank. I said, let's do that. So it's under coasting hand, but it's Rick Estrin playing. It is also playing on uh, Don't Take My Blues Away. Awesome. Yeah, I thought I, I felt a little of that uh, kind of sprinkled in. And it's it's neat to listen to blues with horns because there aren't, I mean, there are artists that, that incorporate horns, um, you know, but I don't think quite to the scale that you're talking about with that many musicians. Is that something when you do live shows that, that can be somewhat cost prohibitive to have a band of that size? Definitely, definitely. And I cannot tell them, listen guys, today you play for burgers. No, it, it's not <laughs> but it's true what you say. So, so, yes, sure. But again, walk the extra mile and you will be rewarded. And yeah. that's the approach I'm having. Sure, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking Freddie King, I'm thinking Albert Collins, I'm thinking B.B. King. You know, when you have a wall of sound behind you, I can play whatever I want, when I want, and how I want it. It's an incredible uh, freedom feeling, and it's yeah. very rewarding to be playing guitar when you have this behind you. It's just it's just a different vibe, you know. It's a, it's a different experience for the audience, too, obviously. Yeah, I imagine you've got... You don't have to worry about filling all the space. You know, you think of a three-piece, you know, blues trio, oh, for yeah. example. I do. I do perform. I would have to, of course, to confess that I don't play nine-piece band all the time. I mm -hmm. do shows as a trio, as a foursome, as a five-piece band too. But when I'm and I'm talking about blues on fire, the, the, the name of the, my R&B shows here in Israel is Andy Watson Blues on Fire. That is a nine-piece. Man, you know that's just a big show. Are you able to tour throughout the Middle East and in Europe, Asia, or or do you stay kind of closer to home? What you know, obviously pre twenty twenty, obviously touring is somewhat well, of a distant memory at, at this the point. moment. The the last live show I did was eleventh of March. We've been in partial lockdown. If anybody's guess, we're back and you can fire up the, the amps and the and the guns of live performances again. Uh, we don't really tour to our neighboring countries. However, we recently have made peace agreements with the Gulf states and in, in, in with Dubai and Bahrain and other countries. Let's see. You know, I don't know how 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 eager they are to hear blues in, in Dubai, but uh, there is always good reasons to play blues in the Middle East for various reasons, as you know. So, yeah, um, I mean, um, if if there were ever a time where the theme of the blues, you know, a lot of the blues lyrics, this is it. We're living in, you know, 
you know, it might not be the same as, you know, the lyrics of, you know, Albert King in his time or in um, Robert Johnson's time, but this is certainly a time where there's plenty of blues-themed things to, to experience in life. Um, you know, oh, so. without a doubt. I think I was maybe, maybe a bit ahead of my time, unfortunately, by having the second tune of the album called Living Hand to Mouse, uh, I didn't know about the corona at the time. And um, it's something that is relevant. Uh, also, what I wrote in my lyrics on Burning Deep is something that is relevant for everything. Unfortunately, is that there are some people in this world that bring the best uh, or the worst out in you. And this yeah. is also something that when you're writing lyrics today, that's maybe this album was written before the corona. I will confess that I was trying to use my time in a positive way since March, since we stopped doing live music, and I have basically written a new album up to now. Uh, yesterday I was in the <coughs> studio starting to touch to see how to do. I'm going to coordinate this with, with Kenny Neal. Uh, of course, uh, we'll co-produce the next album too. And um, obviously some of the lyrics that I'm writing now is related to the current situation, not in a direct way, because when I'm writing lyrics, I don't write white, I don't write black, I write gray in between. Mm -hmm. It's up to the listener to interpret whatever suits him. Do you, when, when you're putting a lyric together, you know, now with the coronavirus, do you try to get very topical to where, you know, the listener will know you're talking about 2020 in the world we're living in, or do you still keep the theme somewhat vague so the song has maybe a more universal appeal, so if someone were to listen to it eight or nine years from now, you know, it's not Almost obviously definitely. a 2020 song. I, I, I didn't dig down to, to because I didn't go to, to the obvious. I didn't go and say, this song, the name of this song is Lockdown, the next is called Quarantine Blues, yeah. the next uh, song is maybe COVID-19, COVID-18, or maybe COVID-17. No, I didn't do that. I was more putting in my lyrics the strain and the feelings and the challenges that yeah. you have in life and how the things, because I wanted Jeff to give hints that even if, the, as I said, universal, even if you listen to the new songs that I've written now, they will be relevant in five, 10, or 15 years. I believe when you write something, you should never be too obvious. I think yeah. some of the things, the beauty of art, is when people start to ask questions. If you put up, that's what I put the rhino on the cover picture, because I'm, I was sure that people were going to wonder why did he put the rhino on the on the picture? Because that's to raise questions. You know, that's always what you want to do with art: make people ask questions. Yeah, and that that's a great point. I I, I think you know, listen to, to you know, there's some mainstream rock music um, albums that I, I know have dealt specifically about 2020, and when I listen to these songs, they're obviously very meaningful right now but i think to myself you know in 2030 if i you know listen to this album is this even so, is this so specific about this time that you may not want to listen to it you know and, and i wonder that you know but some, sometimes you can capsulate in a bottle and that kind of thing works but i like what you're saying you know that you yes. write about you know 
the feelings of it. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, what I'm trying to say when I write the lyrics that are spent to know that sometimes in life you have to dig in to your sources to come over things, to be strong, to mm -hmm. use your time in a positive way because you're talking Corona now, maybe in three years to something else, but your state of mind of handling what you're dealing with now, that will be relevant mm -hmm. in three years. And maybe you can learn something from this Corona, how your state of mind will deal with future situations better. That's relevant. Yeah. But to talk about specific location, it's, it's just not, I don't see a point to that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I encourage everyone to, to pick up the album. It's available on Spotify. I think, you know, if you enjoy, um, you know, blues with, you know, you've got a lot of great traditional elements to it. You've got a lot of great, you know, orchestration. Do you get involved, uh, Andy, in the in charting the horns and things like that? Or, or do you kind of say, okay, you know, I'd like some tr trombone or trumpet splashed in on this song, guys, you know. See what you can do with it. Uh, you know how how involved do you get in what they play? Thanks for that question. When I started getting into blues, I was 12 years old. I was tuning into American blues stations, and suddenly Frank collected the music from day one: Jolly Hooker, Albert King, Albert Collins, Hendrix, Kitty Green, also uh, Clapton in some way too. But that vibe, that that thing just got into my system. That made me pick up a guitar, a six string, a friend of mine showed me some basic chords. But I never study. I learned, I'm a self-taught. I learned everything by myself. Uh, I don't read music, so I'm not proud of that. I probably break any and every rule there is in music, and That's it works for me. That's Meaning a good thing. I'm not yeah. really putting somewhere in a box, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, when I do the uh, arrangement, I write normally first in music, with when I feel comfortable with that then I know in my head I have to have everything in my head then I have the lyrics I have the music coming then I start talking with my keyboard player or with my trumpet and trombone player and we start to see what will work because I have the lines in my head and uh, they write it down and uh, obviously if they put the charts ahead of me I wouldn't have a clue if that's hmm. true or not <laughs> I wouldn't know that but uh, that's pretty much how it works. So yes, I'm very involved in the musical aspect and how it should sound. I'm present with the guy in the studio to have the right energy. I believe that when you're in the studio and laying down the tracks, so I can speak from my own point of view, I normally make one, two, three takes, that's it. I, I don't believe in doing 55 or 65 because normally the best takes the first one. When your state of mind is there, and you feel it's right. Mm -hmm. Because later on, you're just going to listen to your previous takes and the mistakes you did. So um, most of the things on this album, Super Groove, are one takes. If you listen to Straight Shooting Woman, the solo and outro is one take, not edited. Super Natural, which is my tribute to the great... Green. Do you um, ever find Trumpet when you're when you when you're going? Uh, I'm sorry. B3 Hammond. Do I you find B3 Hammond? Yes, you know when you make a cover, you want to make it your own. You know, you don't want to make copy paste. 
Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it can be intimidating to try to change on, you know, something by somebody you admire so much. You know, you you want to pay tribute to it, but you don't want to steal it. Um, this is certainly a, right. a challenge. Well, Andy, I want to thank you so much. Um, the album is available now. I know it's. I'm looking at it. It's available on Amazon. I know it's on Spotify. So if you want physical product, it's available. Um, your website, Andy WattsGuitarSlinger.com. You've got information there. That's right. Uh, it's available. That's actually linked at the uh, Wish Tone, my label, and both of us so kind to of put up. So anyone going to my website at uh, AndyWattsGuitarSlinger.com. You can click, you can listen to the whole album if you, and if you like it. You can go to Spotify, Apple, Amazon. You can go to YouTube. You, you can listen, see some very cool clips that I have on my website. Or you can chat with me on Andy Watts Guitar Singer on Facebook if you like. Well, fantastic. Andy, I want to thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time out during this busy time of the year for everybody. Uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about the album Superproof. Thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for having me, and I wish you happy holidays, and I wish for all of us to come through this pandemic and ordeal as soon as possible so we can go on and do great things in life. All right, a big thank you to Andy Watts for taking the time to join us. The website is Andy Watts, that's W-A-T-T-S, guitarslinger.com. So Andy Watts guitarslinger.com. We will have this link for you on Iron City Rocks. Dot com if you uh, didn't catch that or don't have something to write it down with the album is called super groove if you're a fan of that kind of um, you know blues rock with some horns thrown in um, some really killer guitar chops this is right up your alley really a really a great listen for the fans of that kind of genre it's great to hear as I mentioned going into the interview uh, when you get turned on to an, an artist like this you've not that familiar with and you can just kind of go and surround yourself with his music so check him out and again a thank you to Bill Champlin uh, his new solo album Reason to I'm sorry the single Reason to Believe is out now the album Living for Love will be out available in uh, February Uh, great artwork on the cover of Living for Love you can check that out at his website BillChamplin.com as I mentioned you can visit us at IronCityRocks.com you can hit us on Facebook Instagram YouTube Twitter fill in the blanks are all forward slash iron city rocks uh, we'd love to hear from you iron city rocks at gmail.com let us know you know do you like music like uh, bill and, and champlin andy watts what kind of what kind of stuff do you like let us know we'd love to hear from you um let us know about artists that uh, you think would be a good fit for the show you know we've pride ourselves on not being really limited to one genre of rock and or blues which is evident by, um, you know, we've gone from bands like, you know, Bill with Chicago, you know, is an influence obviously through Pantera and you name it. We've gone to, you know, heaviest of heavies and, and, you know, the other ends of the spectrum. We've gone into blues. We've gone into a country. Uh, As we hit our 12th year, we're not uh, too arrogant to think, you know, there might be stuff out there we're missing or things we could be doing better. So please, let us know, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Pleasure to hear from any one of you. So thank you so much, and until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>